Hello, lovely people. Welcome to another episode of Rookie Mistakes. It is August 13th on a Monday, and I feel like I need a new intro because I say the same thing every week. What are you going to do, though? I'm currently in a new Airbnb, as always seems to be the theme with each episode that I do. This is actually the nicest Airbnb I've ever stayed at while traveling so far, so I've really enjoyed it. This is the best environment. I've gotten to record a podcast in. There's really no background noise I have to worry about. And I have AC that I can actually have on while recording the podcast because the mic doesn't pick it up, which is very nice. I feel like I'm getting a little bit spoiled now because I've been staying in this nice Airbnb and the one before was pretty decent too. So that's kind of making me soft. I don't know. Now I'm getting all comfortable and things like that. Not always the best thing, but it's been good. As far as what I did this week, absolutely nothing, really. Just been trying to get that routine down. Wanted to go over that really quickly, just to give a quick update of how I've been doing with it. I've been using this app called Way of Life, where you can basically set up these lists and then you could keep track of whether or not you're doing the things you put on the list. And then it keeps like a a streak for you. So I just put my routine into this app and then I've been able to keep track of it on a daily basis, whether or not I've been doing it. So, so far on my streak, I have journaling 11 days straight, 15 minutes of visualization, 11 minutes, 11 minutes, no, 11 days straight. Heart rate, 11 days, meditating, 11 days. Eye color, make note of people's eye color, 10 days. To-do list, before I go to bed each night, 12 days. 90 Instagram posts, I'm currently at two days. I had a moment, or I should say two days of weakness where I just didn't do it. I don't know why it's so difficult, but it's such a pain in the butt. I was going really strong because I started challenging myself each day to see how many hashtags I could get through, liking on commenting on in an hour. And I got up to, I think, 18 hashtags in an hour. So that's 180 posts, which I was really proud of. But then after doing that the next day, I just, I don't know, I was burnt out and I just didn't do it that day. So that sucks, but I'm back on a streak, little streak, baby streak, two days. The uh, workout portion, the 50 push-ups and squats, that I'm on a streak six days because I do it every other day. Brushing my teeth with my left hand, 12-day streak, wake up at 8 a.m. I've been struggling there also, but I'm currently on a four-day streak, which is good. I will be adding one day to all of these things because I've done them all so far today already, which is good. I went to the National Museum of Korea this week, which was pretty fun. I really enjoy going to museums. I think that's probably one of the highlights of wherever I go because I just like the energy and the vibes in museums it's very quiet there's not a ton of people usually well I guess it depends what museum you go to but usually it's pretty quiet and it's just very relaxing 
I remember I used to, when I first started traveling, I would try and take pictures of literally everything that I liked in the museum with my iPhone and with my camera. I don't know why I felt the need to do both, but early on in my travels, it was really stressful doing these things because I felt like I had to have the photos to prove that I did it, which is a really weird thing that I feel because I, it's almost like if I don't have the photo, right, or if I don't document the actual experience, it almost feels like it doesn't have any weight, which I think is is true with a lot of people these days, especially on social media, because it's almost like the experience doesn't matter, right, or it didn't happen unless you can actually show people that you did it. And that almost seems to be the more important aspect. It's not actually having the experience, but it's it's showing off the experience which I think is a really bad thing and I've noticed that with myself too so I've really tried to kind of get away from that and just be present in the moment whenever I'm doing something whether it's a museum or seeing a site or going somewhere with someone I try and be present and not constantly worrying about oh I need to take a photo of this or a video of this or document this so I've been better about it which has been nice I really feel now like going to a museum is kind of just almost a break from that that mindset and those thoughts because I can really just focus on what I'm actually seeing and not worry about documenting it. And I think part of that too is because it's just not <laughs> museums aren't necessarily things that people want to see. I don't I don't know. So that's been good. I officially am going to Bangkok now on August 21st. Finally decided to leave Seoul. Originally, I was going to stay in Seoul until the end of September and then go to Japan October 4th. But I decided to go to Bangkok because I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to do that when I originally planned to go in January of 2019. So going to get that out of the way now. That was a really stressful figuring out how I was going to do that. I had to really work some dark magic to figure out the plane tickets because if you don't have a visa to go to Thailand, you can still go. You just get a 30-day tourist visa upon arrival from your um from your flight. The problem with that is I want to stay in Thailand until October 4th, right? So that's more than a month. I think part of the whole process with being able to get the 30-day visa for Thailand is you have to show proof that you're going to be leaving the country within that 30 days, right? And I don't know if this is an actual case-by-case basis or if this is just a blanket thing for every person, but I didn't really want to risk it because maybe... Maybe you can get into the country, right? They'll just like stamp your passport and they won't really question you or ask you for anything or to see anything. But I didn't really want to risk that because if they do happen to ask me if I have a return ticket then and I don't, then I'm going to get denied entry and then I'm screwed. So I ended up getting a plane ticket a month from August 21st to Japan. And sneaky, sneaky Connor, of course, I got a plane ticket where I could change the day and date of it, which I had to pay extra for. That kind of sucked, but 
what my plan is now is I'm going to basically hopefully get my 30 day visa and then you can actually extend your tourist visa another 30 days if you pay. I think it's 1900 baht. So I'll do that. And then once I have the extension, I can change my plane ticket to Japan to October 4th when I want to go. So that's currently the plan. I'm really excited to go to Thailand, honestly. If I'm being like if I'm being completely honest. A lot of the motivation for why I decided to go there instead of staying in Seoul was because like I said, I've been staying in these nicer Airbnbs. And I was looking at the dates because I'm gonna need to book a new Airbnb. I was looking at the dates in Seoul and like what was available. And the Airbnbs just aren't as good as the ones I've been staying in. It's a lot of ones where I would have to stay with someone again instead of being on my own. I'm kind of getting used to being on my own being on my own again, so I don't really want to go back to that. And the Airbnbs in Thailand or in Bangkok are amazing for whatever reason. So that played a big part <laughs> in me deciding to go to Bangkok. And then of course, I just want to see a new place. A new change a change of scenery is nice. I'm getting a little bit comfortable in Seoul, I feel like, where I'm just kind of falling into a a comfortable pattern. So I kind of want to change it up now. And also thinking of doing Muay Thai, that's something I've always wanted to do. When I first had the idea of traveling, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but originally I just wanted to live in Thailand for a year and train Muay Thai. It wasn't even about going to all these different countries. That was where the, that's what like the seed that planted the idea in my head was that. So I'm finally going to actually get to do it, which is cool. Also love Thai food. It's probably my favorite food. Hopefully it's not too spicy. We shall see. As far as today's episode goes, I just wanted to change it up. And I'm going to be talking about my experience in Rome. What tips I have, recommendations. I realize summer is almost over, so it probably won't be the most valuable at this point in time. But it doesn't hurt to have this in your back pocket if you ever are planning a trip to Rome in the future. So Italy in general as a country was the number one place I have always wanted to go to. And Rome especially was really high up on my list. So going into this this trip to Rome, I had really high expectations for the trip. Growing up, I watched a ton of shows about Italy, like Rome, Florence, places like that. If anyone's ever watched the show Rome or Da Vinci's Demons, Spartacus, Gods of the Arena, and then all the Spartacus series. There's Masters of Florence on Netflix. There's the movie Gladiator. It just, all of that, I think, really appealed to me that time period. History was my favorite subject in school, and ancient Roman history was always my favorite thing to learn about because I just found it so interesting. So I just had all these different kind of experiences, I think, growing up that really appealed to me and made me gravitate towards Italy, especially Rome, because of the ancient history that is available there. Whereas somewhere like Florence, I mean, obviously, it's an amazing place, too, but the history doesn't go as far back as it does in Rome. So... 
really high expectations for this trip or that trip to Rome. And I can say Rome absolutely lived up to my expectations. It was an awesome experience. So happy I got to do it. So first thing I wanted to talk about is the food, because that's what you always hear about when people talk about Italy is the food, the pasta, the pizza, the gelato, the wine. I'm not a wine fan, so I can't really help you out there. But the rest of it, I've got on lockdown for you. So as far as my recommendations for places to eat in Rome, my first recommendation, it's a must have. It's called Pasta Chef Monte. It is a small place, very casual. The workers are very nice. They speak English. The menu is simple. It's all just pasta dishes. It's not expensive at all. And this place had the best pasta I've ever had in my life, hands down. I went there twice and I had the bolognese, the fettuccine alfredo, and the lasagna. And each of those dishes is the best I've ever had in my entire life. The thing I liked about this place, and I would say this is just true of Italy in general, is just it's not that the food has these spectacular flavors that you've never tasted before or these things that are popping out at you. It's just that everything is consistent and very well balanced and just perfectly cooked. The pasta and the the meat and the tomato sauce, like everything was perfectly proportioned together and, and nothing overpowered the other. And it was just it was just such an awesome experience having that balance like in your mouth and you're eating it. Oh, it was so, so good. I also didn't feel very full or anything like that afterwards. I felt good. Absolutely wonderful experience especially because that was my first day in Rome and I was able to find that place. So I had the best pasta I ended up having in Italy and in my entire life the first day in Rome. It ended up being, I think, each dish is maybe eight to nine euros, which is really, really a good deal because a lot of the places are more expensive than that. And then to have that high quality of pasta, just crazy. So Pasta Chef Monti must have. The other must have, I would say, is this place called Pan E Salam. It's P-A-N-E space E and then space S-A-L-A-M-E. Now this place is another small place. It's not very expensive. It's a very cool, intimate restaurant. They serve panini sandwiches and then they serve these, these platters. And what these platters are is basically what Rome slash Italy has to offer in the way of food. They basically give you a bunch of different samples of all these meats and breads and cheeses and olives, and they have different sized ones depending on how many people you have. So there's like a think small, medium, large, right? And obviously it's more expensive with each one and you get more food with the bigger platters. So I ended up getting a small one just for myself and I got a panini. Let me look if I actually wrote down the name of the panini. I believe I did. So I could tell you what it was called. It was called the Porchetta Pomodori Secchi. And then I had a Lituga Salsa Tonata mixed plate. 
which was the plate was these slices of bread and then they gave you the cheese and then prosciutto and some other types of sliced meats and then you had olives and there is this i want to say it was kind of like jelly but it was sweet and a little bit spicy and i put that uh, on the bread and it was so 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 delicious absolutely love that place like i said it's a small place so it is pretty crowded usually i ended up going an hour before it closed one night so i was able to get a seat but highly recommend that place must have the only other places i will say that i would recommend are this place called triste pizza it is a once again cheap maybe oh man i don't know you can get it by the slice or you can get these little baby circular pizzas they have and they have all different um types so they have your you know your margarita your sausage so on and so forth but there's these little baby pizzas and they're absolutely delicious it's not what you would traditionally think of italian pizza but so so good if you need a quick bite to eat i recommend that and you just order it get it and then you there's tables off to the side i don't think there's chairs though and you kind of just stand and eat it was funny when i was there because while i was eating there they have a piano in the restaurant and there was a guy playing it and then there's another guy playing the violin and it was so so loud that it was really hard to actually hear people and i i just kept thinking to myself like why do these why does this restaurant let them do that? I would imagine that just annoys people and makes them not want to eat there because it's just kind of in your face and really loud. But it was funny watching them. I actually took some videos of it and put it on my Instagram at the time, which was which was cool. Got a little dinner and a show, you could say. I'd recommend that place. And then there's another place called Sestama a Pensa. And this place is... A place that is, once again, very small. As you can see, that's the theme here. Most of the restaurants in Europe in general are pretty small unless it's in touristy areas. So Sestama Apensa, they serve pasta. They have these dishes that are, it's not pizza, but it's almost like a kind of a raised bread. And they put basil and tomatoes on top of it. And I don't really know what you would call it, but... It was absolutely amazing. And then I had carbonara, which I didn't like. Carbonara is the most popular dish, I believe, in Italy. And I just wasn't a fan. The The meat they use is raw. And yeah, anytime there's raw meat, Connor's not a fan of that. So that was not the best, but it was a good place. And at the end, they gave me this. It was a little donut ball, a little fried donut ball. And that was heavenly it was to die for i wish i could have had 20 of those things it was so delicious then the last place lost food factory that is another panini place and small place cheap food really good paninis different paninis than the ones at penny salam i I think the penny salam paninis are were better but i really did enjoy the Lost Food Factory also. So that's another quick bite to eat you could do. Me being a solo traveler, I look for the places that are cheap and quick. I do recommend trying to stay away from the really touristy areas because there's a lot of restaurants that are 
kind of just food traps and I would imagine the food's not as good. So really do your research about the places you're going to eat. My only other things for food, the street food, you'll see that everywhere. There's a lot of restaurants that advertise street food and basically what it is is just fried vegetables. Think of tempura, but Italian, Italian tempura. It's not as good. It's a lot heavier and I don't think it was very good. I tried it at one place and I felt really, really crappy afterwards. I regretted eating it. It wasn't tasty at all. So I would avoid street food. Not really worth eating that when it comes to like the fried vegetables stuff. One other place I went to, which was a burger place, and it was really, really high rated, which is why I went to it. It's called Open Baladin, B-A-L-A-D-I-N. It was pretty good, but it was really, really expensive. So I don't recommend going there. It is a place where I would imagine people, if they researched it, and especially if you're craving a burger, it's a place you'd want to go because of how highly rated it is. I didn't really get why it was so high rated and so there were so many reviews for it, but they do have a really um, large selection of beer. So that's kind of a cool thing. I think you can do beer tastings and things like that there which is something if you're interested in that, you can do that. But as far as the burger goes and the, they don't have fries there. They had chips, which was weird, but the chips were good. I mean, the meal overall was pretty good. It was just too, I think, salty for me. And then also it ended up being, I want to say 30 to 32 euros just for a burger and those chips. So it was really expensive, definitely not worth the money. So I would avoid that place if you can. Now getting in to what everyone actually cares about and what I care about most is the gelato. Of course, gelato in Italy, you hear about it all the time. It was absolutely to die for. I consider myself a gelato connoisseur now because I went to so many different gelato places, whether it was Rome, Florence, or Venice. And as far as Rome goes, I think I ended up going to a different gelato place every single day, and I was in Rome for five days, so I got a pretty good sense of the different places. Really quickly, I'll just go over where I went and I, what I think about it. I went to this one place called Venci, which is a chain gelato place. There's Venci's in Florence. I think there was some in Venice also. And then they're in Rome, but the one I went to is actually right by the Trevi Fountain. It's literally like you go, or not? Is it? Yeah, it's not. It's not right by the Trevi Fountain, but it, it's it's probably a good four to five minute walk from the Trevi Fountain. And Venci is special because they actually have an option where you can get hazelnut chocolate, like hot hazelnut chocolate put on the bottom of your cup and then you get your gelato on top so that's a nice little touch that they do you honestly can't go wrong with venci it's one of the places that has the longest lines that you'll see in rome always crowded really amazing gelato and you can actually buy italian chocolate from there too which i did in florence chocolate was very 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 good after venci there's this place called gelateria com il latte don't know if I pronounced that right, but this place, another really good gelato place. I think that was probably my favorite gelato that I had. 
in Rome was from this place. The only thing about this place was it's not the closest, I think, from all of the main sites that you're going to see. So it's kind of out of the way, but definitely worth it if you can go there. Another place I went, which is really popular, is Il Gelato di San Crispino. This place, I think, is completely overrated. If you look online, it has really good reviews. Just look up San Crispino Gelato. It's San and then C-R-I-S-P-I-N-O. This place had the smallest portions of any of the gelato places I went to in all of Italy. And it was also the most expensive. Generally, you can pay for, I think it's, I want to say either one, two, three, or four scoops of uh, gelato. And I think the four scoop one, which is what I got all the time, was six euros, which isn't that bad. So that place had the smallest portions. And then it was, I think, one, I want to say it was seven euros for the four, which isn't obviously a huge difference. But it for it not being very good gelato, in my opinion, and having a smaller portion and then being the most expensive, I just thought it was... It was pretty blah, so I didn't really like that place. I wouldn't recommend going there. Uh, the Gelateria Com Il Latte, that's spelled, just do C-O-M-E, then I-L, and then L-A-T-T-E, and that is that place. I went to another place called the Val Gelato, V-A-L-E, Gelato. They sold macarons, macarons there. The gelato was all right. Didn't think it was anything special. So if you want to get macarons, you can go to that place. The macarons were pretty good. The ones I had in Paris were obviously better, but I wouldn't really recommend that place either. So that's this is just to kind of give you if you're if you're thinking of one of these places, then you'll know whether or not you should go. Basically, I went to another place called Wonderful Ice Cream, and that was like the name says more ice cream than gelato. Still pretty good if you're craving kind of the you know, the traditional ice cream that you're used to and the, you know, all the sugar and the the interesting flavors and things like that. You can go there. That place might, I, I mean, I can't imagine, like, let's say you have kids. I can't imagine they're not liking gelato, but maybe if they like the stuff they're used to, then I would go to this place called Wonderful Ice Cream. The only other gelato place that I wanted to go to that I couldn't go to because it was closed i think i i literally tried three separate occasions to go to this gelato place because i had read a lot of good reviews about it but it was closed for whatever reason each time so i never got to go which i was pretty pissed about actually it's called fata morgana monti f-a-t-a-m-o-r-g-a-n-a and then m-o-n-t-i i just read that there's actually a different location now also, so maybe you can look into that more if you want to try that place. But I was really, really like wanting to try that particular gelato place, but I never got the chance, so that was a bummer. I also read some other reviews online that the place is closed during the winter, which is really weird that you'd have your entire business closed in the winter, maybe because sales just aren't that good in the winter. Me personally, I'll eat gelato whenever the hell I want snow be danged but i think you might be able to go to the other location i don't know look into that one though i was just looking at other gelato places in rome and there's a lot of places that i wasn't aware of that have really high reviews also so i think in general just look at the really 
highly reviewed gelato places and check those ones out. You can't go wrong with Venchi. And then there's two or three others that I wasn't aware of, which is kind of a bummer, that are really high rated. So I don't think you're really going to go wrong, honestly, with gelato. Definitely eat it as much as you can unless you have some sort of sugar problem. But yeah, love the gelato. Lived up to the expectations. I still will say that my favorite ice cream of all time is actually not from Italy. So there's that. But it was just a lovely time eating the gelato every single day. I really enjoyed it. And I didn't feel terrible actually after eating it. You know, eating four scoops of it wasn't that bad as far as a sugar crash or anything. So that was good. Now getting into the sites. I was in Rome, like I said, for five days and I felt very rushed and overwhelmed because one, I didn't plan ahead, which is kind of my fault. And then two, transportation, I didn't really have that figured out and I didn't really want to deal with it. So I just walked most places, which kind of made it difficult to see everything. I think to see all of the main sites that you kind of need to see when you go to Rome, five days is actually plenty of time to see everything. And then if you want to see all of it and by all of it, I don't even like you, I don't think you can see all of Rome in a week, but to see all of the things that matter and then the things that you might want to see and to just not feel rushed and kind of have a nice experience. I think seven days is a great amount of time to be in Rome. The actual sites that I saw, just really quickly, I saw the Trevi Fountain, Piazza Navano, Palazzo El Tomp, San Ignazio Church, Galleria Borghese, Roman Forum, Palatine Hill, the Colosseum, Piazza Venezia, Piazza del Campi Doglio, Pantheon, and then the Vatican. And is that everything? I believe so. Which is pretty, that's pretty good, honestly, for five days. The things I missed out on that I wanted to see were St. Peter's Basilica and then Castel San Angelo. Definitely going to have to go back to Rome. And as I was writing my notes out for this podcast, I was just thinking about how much I miss Rome and really, really want to go back there now more so than ever. So out of all those things that I saw, the things that I think you have to see, and it's not like I'm saying anything profound here you need to see the vatican you need to see the pantheon the Colosseum, the forum palatine hill and then saint peter's basilica and then castel san angelo and then i also think if you're into churches the saint ignatius church which in italian is saint ignazio that church is a must see so as far as things you can skip palazzo al tomp That is a museum with a lot of different sculptures. I think it was completely a waste of time, personally. I regret going and then paying for it, obviously, was a pain. And then the Piazza del Campidoglio. Don't know if I pronounced that right, but that you can also skip. And these are things you can skip if you need to prioritize things to see. It's not necessarily like, oh, skip them because... I'm telling you, just skip them. It's If you need to prioritize other things, those two, you, you can rest assured that you're not really missing out on anything. As far as advice to how to break all the sites up, I 
broke it all up and I was able to make it into four days basically where you could see absolutely everything that you're going to need to see. So here's how I recommend you go about seeing all the different things each day. First off, I think in general, and this is something I actually realized after being in Rome, I think it's really important to your first day ease into it. And then I think your second day, you should probably do some like see something or go to a, a, a place that's more stressful and more of a challenge to just, you know, whether it's getting the tickets or dealing with the lines or it's just a long day. I think that you should those things you should do earlier in your trip and then the easier things like the more pleasant things you should do towards the end. And so when it comes to Rome, then you're like, well, Connor, OK, so what's pleasant and what's kind of a pain so here we go this is just four days and then however long you're going to stay just think you can fill it up fill those days up with whatever else you want to see but this is what i recommend you do so for your first full day in rome basically the day after your flight i think you want to ease into it so the things that you can see are the trevi fountain the piazza navano the pantheon and the St. Ignatius Church. All four of these things are within walking distance of each other. So you're basically going to be in one area the entire day. So you're not going to have to worry about going from one place to the other place to the other place and jumping all over the city. These are all next to each other. So it's really easy to see all four of those things your first day. I think that's just a good way to ease yourself into Rome, kind of get your bearings, see what the city has to offer. Your second full day, and these things are all going to depend also on whether or not you're able to get tickets, but if you plan ahead, you're going to be able to do it. Your second full day, I think you should go to the Vatican because the Vatican is a very stressful experience. The lines to the Vatican are absolutely insane. Once you get there, you will see the lines like out the door, and it's probably the longest line I've ever seen for anything. Once you're actually in the Vatican, you are extremely squished because there's just so many people that it's really hard to maneuver around. And it's kind of like, obviously, it's an amazing experience, but it's kind of a pain and not as good of an experience as it could be just because there's you're surrounded by people and you're kind of worried about keeping your belonging safe and it's hard to take photos because you're kind of constantly needing to move and things like that so that's kind of a pain and that was I remember being a really stressful day for me so I would get that one out of the way as fast as you can one other day you can do whatever day you want in your trip but then if you do the Vatican as a full day which I think you should do also because the Vatican is just humongous and There's so much to see that you don't want to stress about having to rush or have to go to a different place. And I'll get more into the Vatican a little bit later. Another day that you could choose where you can just throw it wherever on whatever day you want on your trip. St. Peter's Basilica and the Castel San Angelo. These are both places that are right next to each other. So you could get those out of the way in one day. That would be a pretty solid day i think you could depending on whether or not you want to see saint peter's basilica the view in the morning or towards the afternoon maybe at night then that will inform which one you do first castel san angelo is 
really crowded also. That's another place super crowded. So you're going to want to get tickets in advance for that. And then I would recommend your second to last day of your trip. That's when you want to do the Colosseum, the Forum, the Palatine Hill. And then after all of that, those three things, you all they're all next to each other and you do all of those. You basically go from Colosseum to Palatine Hill to Forum. And then I would recommend going to the Piazza Venezia because then it'll be the end of the day. And the Piazza Venezia has an absolutely breathtaking view of Rome. You from the top, you take an elevator. I think you have to pay. I don't remember how much it was. I, I want to say it was 10 euros at the most, maybe a little bit more than that. But you pay to take this elevator up to the top of the Piazza Venezia. And from there, you can just stay up there as long as you want until closing. And you're able to see the sunset, which is which is really awesome. So I think you should do all four of those things in your your second to last day because it's just a very easy and relaxing day. And you can really focus on just walking around the forum and taking it all in because I think your last day of your trip, you just want to relax. You don't really want to be seeing anything. You just want to kind of take Roman one last time and maybe go back to some things that you enjoyed. So those are my recommendations as far as the days go. Now to get into the actual site, some of the recommendations. So going back to the Vatican, I think it's really important for you to do a guided tour because you're going to be able to skip the line to where you're not going to have to be waiting outside like all freaking day definitely do that with the guided tour it was really confusing because when you go to the Sistine Chapel and you get to see that some of the tours in there are actually still going on whereas my tour wasn't the woman that was our tour guide basically left us at the Sistine Chapel and we just got to kind of experience it and then leave whereas other people still have their tour guides and so I think what happens is there's two different types of tours you can do you can do a combined tour I believe of the Vatican and St. Peter's Basilica so what would happen then with that is you would go through the Vatican you'd go through the Sistine Chapel and then when you're leaving the Sistine Chapel, there's a door on the right and there's a door on the left. And the door on the right leads, I think, to St. Peter's Basilica and the door on the left just leads back out into the Vatican. So depending on what tour you're on, you're going to take one of those doors. The right door, like I said, leads to St. Peter's Basilica. So if you want to do a combined tour of that, I think then you could do that after the Vatican. But I don't really recommend doing that because... There's just so much to see at the Vatican even after your tour because you could walk around all these different areas that I think you should just do the Vatican for one day. So you'd basically go on your tour and then go through the Sistine Chapel and then you can just go explore all over the rest of the Vatican, whatever's open to the public. I didn't end up doing that because it was such a long tour as it was that I didn't really want to deal with trying to find new areas to explore. The Pantheon... Oh, what can I say about the Pantheon? I guess what I should say is the Pantheon was my absolute favorite thing that I saw in Rome. And the reason was because I've never felt in awe in my entire life. I don't know if anyone like listening has ever felt in awe. Obviously never knew what that felt like. But walking into the Pantheon, I was awestruck at the grand 
just the I don't even know how to describe it. I think the Pantheon for me was the thing that really just amazed me and really put me back into that ancient Rome time period. I could really just imagine what it was like. And it it was so I think it was just the best representation of ancient Rome and just felt like you were back in that time period. I was I remember I was like I felt dizzy and I felt like I was going to pass out and I had chills the entire time. And it was just a very it wasn't a bad feeling. It was a good feeling. It was a very interesting feeling. It just like I the only way I can describe it is I literally felt in awe of what I was seeing. You go through these big doors and there's no tickets or lines, really. It's a really nice experience because you just walk in one way and then you can walk out the other and once you're in you can stay in as long as you want basically and you just walk in a big circle and just seeing the 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 feet like the feet of engineering and the architecture that they're able to do that during that time period I think that also is what just made it for me such a profound experience it was cool also because it was raining that day and so for anyone that knows the pantheon there's a huge hole basically in the center of the ceiling this big circle so you get to see light coming down through it and so there was rain coming down through that circle and then there's just the big puddle in the middle of the pantheon so being able to look up at the ceiling and then you had kind of the light shining and so you could see the raindrops that was a really cool experience also so i absolutely love the pantheon my favorite thing by far san ignatius church And for anyone that doesn't know, I'm just going back over again, basically, the things that I think you should see. St. Ignatius Church. For anyone that wants to see churches, I think this is the best church you could probably see because the ceilings are beautiful. And it was just a very unique experience, I think, because generally when you go in churches, it's, it's very quiet. And in this church specifically, St. Ignatius Church... There was music playing. I think it was choir music from that time period, like back whenever, whether it was, I don't think it was ancient Rome, but it must have been maybe back when the church was built, but there was music playing and that really added to the experience because it just made it feel so much more peaceful and really added an element to it that you normally wouldn't get. Because like I said, when you go to church, usually there isn't music playing or anything like that. It's just kind of silent. So that was very awesome. The churches obviously are free, so you don't have to pay or anything. You can just walk in. I think I went to three churches, and the other two weren't anything special, really, especially after going to the St. Ignatius Church. And the reason why I wanted to go to that one in particular was because I went to a Jesuit high school. So I thought, might as well see this church, right? Because St. Ignatius was the founder of the Jesuit order, so that's where the link was for me. Definitely recommend going to that church to see it then to the Colosseum and the forum and the palatine hill so when you buy the tickets for the palatine hill the Colosseum, the forum all three of those things are going to be combined together so you're only going to need to get a ticket to see all three of those things what was kind of sketchy when i went the day of my Colosseum tour was that i already had my tickets online but What you will see everywhere you go in Rome, especially near all the sites, is there's all these people outside of the places where they are trying to get you to buy tickets to the actual place. 
some of them I think are scams and some of them aren't. So I was walking towards the Coliseum and one of the people stopped me who was one of the tour I don't know if he was a tour guide, but he was, you know, he worked for like the tour company basically. And he asked me, oh, do you have tickets? And I said, yeah, I already have them. And so he kind of was helping me out to where I needed to go. And so he looked at my ticket and he said, oh, you have this ticket. But if you get this other type of ticket and pay a little bit more, then you can enter, you can basically skip the line to the Coliseum and you can enter the arena from behind the Coliseum. So I'm going to be honest, he completely suckered me in. I was kind of caught off guard and I was just like, oh, okay, that's cool. So I ended up paying, I think, an additional 18 to 20 euros in addition to what I had already paid online to add this other part of the tour. So I'm standing there with this guy who's supposed to be the, he's like the middleman, basically, who's getting all the people ready for the tour guide, I guess, like collecting the money and writing everyone's names down and all that stuff. So it's just me and I'm thinking to myself, like, I literally just got scammed. I can't believe it. Two months into my travels and I finally, it finally happened. I got scammed. So I'm just standing there like, oh, this sucks. This is going to be terrible. Can't believe this just happened to me. I'm such an idiot. And one by one, more and more people started to come because they were going to be on the tour also. So I'm starting to think to myself, well, oh, maybe this isn't going to be a scam, right? So I started to be more um, open-minded to it being a more a positive experience. So ended up going on the tour. I think there was 20 to 25 people with me. Like the like the person said, kudos to him. We actually got to skip the line of the Coliseum. We went behind the Coliseum to this kind of different entrance where there wasn't really any groups. And we got to go on the arena level, which is the lowest level that you can get to in the Coliseum. And it was a it was a timed thing. So I think we were there for 10 to 15 minutes. My tour guide was absolutely amazing. I loved her. She had that Italian spirit. She really represented like Italian people. It was very funny, very um, kind of, I don't want to say aggressive, but direct, I guess you could say. Yeah, it was direct. So that was a great tour. And then from there, I went to the Palatine Hill and the Roman Forum. The Roman Forum's cool because I think that is the next closest thing to the Pantheon where I really felt like I was in Rome like ancient Rome. And I really tried to picture what it would be like walking the streets of Rome and just imagining if these buildings were actually still there. So that was really a cool experience. You can walk all over the Forum and Palatine Hill as long as you want after the tour. The tour, the second part of the tour was with a different tour guide and he ended up not being as as good of a tour guide. So that kind of sucked, but then being able to just walk around as long as I wanted afterwards was was really cool. So basically the moral of the story with all of this is really be careful with the tours that you're selecting because it is kind of stressful trying to figure out what tour company is the best to use. I think in general using Get Your Guide, that's a very popular service and it's even here in Seoul as well. I think that is a pretty good service to use, but really just look into it. And I do recommend if you can for the Coliseum, try and get a tour where you can go to the arena level because that's really a cool thing to do. And then after the tour, you can walk around the Coliseum freely, but you just can't be on that level, which is basically the the like the closest you can get to the bottom of the Coliseum. And then I think that's it as far as the sites go. Like I said, I didn't get to go to St. Peter's Basilica or Castel St. Angelo, but I highly recommend doing those two things. The 
Next thing, transportation. Like I said earlier, I ended up walking everywhere because I just didn't want to deal with figuring out transportation. And at the time, I didn't have this app City Map, City Mapper, which is an app that literally tells you all the trains and the buses, like the numbers, the times, all of the stuff that you need to get to whatever location you're going to. So if I had that app, I probably actually would have used a lot more public transportation. You have that as an option, public transportation, or you can walk, or they have Uber. I used Uber, I think, three times, but it ended up being pretty expensive. And the only reason why I used it was because I was not going to make my times that I had set for my tours to different places. So I had to use Uber, which ended up not really working out because... There's a ton of traffic in Rome, which I will be talking about a little bit later. You'll hear my my fun little complaint about that. If you are going to use public transportation, you can get a week pass travel card, which gives you unlimited rides on the buses, the trams, and the metros. And I think it's it's actually pretty reasonable for a whole week. I think it's 24 euros, which is way better than Paris was. I can't really tell you if the actual public transportation is good because I didn't use any of it at all, but that is definitely an option for getting around. You can get this the travel cards, you can get them at the metro station or convenience stores or at news agents. And they also have another option which is called the Roma Pass, I believe. I didn't really look into this too deeply, but Basically what this pass is, it's valid for three days and during those three days you get free transportation and then you get discounts on your tickets to the sites. So I think that is something definitely to look into. The first two sites with this Roma pass are actually free, I believe. So I think what you can end up doing is whatever the most expensive sites are, you could basically kill those, right? Get those out of the way for free definitely look into the Roma Pass. That might be something you're interested in. If you really want to, you can walk everywhere. You just need to be okay with walking. Like, I think the longest walk I did was to the Vatican, and that was an hour walk, I believe, which I didn't really mind because I just throw on a podcast and listen to that and just get the walk, get the walking in, get the exercise in for the day, really take in the city, which is nice. But yeah, if you if you plan everything well to where you're only walking to like one area in the day and then walking back to wherever you're staying, then I think walk, walking is an option if you want to save money on the transportation. That was a French accent. That's not even good. What else can I tell you? All right. The views. As far as views go, here's your options. If you haven't heard before, there's the seven hills of Rome. So there's these seven hills where there's all these different views, right? So you have that as an option. St. Peter's Basilica is an amazing view. Definitely see that. There's a view from the Palatine Hill. That's not an amazing view or anything, but that's just something you're going to see when you're there. The Piazza Venezia, the sunset, like I mentioned earlier, absolutely spectacular. Definitely see a view from there. And then the Castel Sant'Angelo, which is the, I didn't mention this, but it's basically the fortress in Rome. That also has a view. I would imagine it's not that amazing because it's, you're not that high up. As far as the seven hills of Rome, the one that I wanted to visit was Gian Nicolo. It's called the Janaculum Hill. Man, my freaking pronunciation is brutal. But it's J-A-N-I-C-U-L-U-M. So look into those for the views. 
let's see what else things i liked things i didn't like the things i liked the people are very friendly i think people have impressions of italians as it is of them being friendly and very um fun that held true food amazing kind of got sick of pasta and pizza and gelato by the end of my trip in italy i think i was in italy for two and a half weeks so at the end i got sick of it because you're not really getting variety which i guess is something that i didn't like you're not really getting variety of food it's just all italian food but it is amazing food so the history is some of the best history you'll ever get in any country you visit just the amount of sites they have and the fact they have ancient history and then they have like the kind of what would it be like the 14 15 1600s you can kind of just get every aspect or every part of history in rome like they have that which is really unique because you really can't get that anywhere rich culture and then also the street performers there's so many street performers. That's one of my favorite things anywhere I go is when there's a where's a country or a city that has street performers. I absolutely love that. Definitely walk around at night because you'll be able to just take in the city and then you'll hear music from these street performers and some of them sing. A lot of them are really, really good, actually. I mean, I don't know if they're still going to be there, <laughs> but there's... Street performers by the Trevi Fountain at night that actually sing and do covers of songs and they're really, really good. Hopefully, if you're going to Rome, you get to experience that. Things I didn't like now. Rome is very crowded and very touristy, obviously. It's probably one of the biggest tourist destinations in the entire world. What are you going to do, though? I felt overwhelmed with how much there was to see and I was worried about missing out on things and I, it was also hard for me to manage my expectations of what the trip should be as I was on it that's just a personal thing with me but I think Rome is such a, just such a great place that you want to really maximize your time and so you have to you have to want you want to maximize your time and your experience so it's it's trying to manage those expectations and not feeling like you're missing stuff that was kind of stressful internet in Italy in general is just absolutely god awful and as much as i love italy as much as i love rome as much as i love florence the internet is so bad that i could never live in italy it is god awful like i literally was losing my mind because of that the city is very spread out like i said so it is kind of a pain getting to some places and it's also hard to get around because there's actually a lot of traffic. So even when you are taking an Uber or a bus, it is still a pain because there's so many cars. And it's just not a very well laid out city, which you can probably understand because they had to build around everything that's already there. It's not like they could really build the city how they wanted. So it's not laid out the best. The streets are very narrow and they're not the best best kept streets so that just kind of made it a pain to get around an uber might end up taking you 45 minutes to an hour even if you're not going somewhere very far it reminded me a lot of la so i kind of could relate in that way the last thing that i didn't really like is just the amount of people that are trying to sell you stuff whether it's trying to sell you tickets to the freaking vatican or the coliseum or they're trying to sell you just little trinkets the 
big thing when I was there was there's tons of vendors with umbrellas because it was raining the whole time I was there. So they're constantly asking you and kind of gesturing to you, oh, you need like an umbrella or you need this, you need that. And that just gets annoying. Whatever you do, do not buy any of the stuff from them because it's very cheap. I've read plenty of things about people who have bought umbrellas and they end up breaking like that day because it's just really poorly made. It's not going to be very expensive, but it's not going to be high quality or anything like that. So definitely stay away from those people. I think Rome is just overall, like I said at the beginning, it's a fantastic place and it really, Italy in general, especially Rome, it really kind of changed the way I view the places I go because like I said, there's just such rich culture and there's just so much history there that you can't really get anywhere else that I really think it just kind of makes other places that I visit not as impressive as Rome because when you're comparing the two, it's just not, they're just not even in the same league. I think the only other places that will probably come close to Rome as far as the history goes are gonna be Egypt and then maybe China and then maybe Istanbul. Other than that, I just like now, I don't get me wrong, going to places and seeing a place for the first time and experiencing the culture and the people, that is still great, but it's just not, I don't know, things just don't wow me, I guess, is the best way of putting it very often now, especially after having been to Rome. And I, so I, I, I would, I would recommend maybe, <laughs> maybe put Rome off as long as you can and go to other places if you're able to travel often because it is just such a it's just such a fantastic place that it will kind of ruin other places for you and maybe it won't ruin other places for you but for me it definitely has ruined other places in a in a way lastly the tips overall tips for Rome. so a lot of the museums are closed on mondays so definitely check what's closed just two of the big ones are the castel san angelo and the borghese gallery those are closed on Mondays. The Vatican is not open Sunday, obviously, because of the religious day. And the last entry in general, I think, is 4 p.m. Double check that. But so Monday through Saturday, last entry, 4 p.m. I actually read when I was doing these notes that at the end of the day, they turn off the artificial lights in the Sistine Chapel so you can view it in natural light if you do a tour of the vatican at the end of the day so maybe try and do that i didn't get to do that myself but people say that the sistine chapel is way 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 better to view when it is natural light try and avoid eating at tourist traps really do your research on where you're going to eat because you can definitely get by eating really good food for a, a lot cheaper of a price I never went to any of these restaurants near all these tourist attractions, so I couldn't tell you if the food's actually good, but I do know just looking at the menus, it is very expensive, and they're always trying to suck you in because they have people waiting outside the restaurants kind of like, oh, you want to eat here, and blah, 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 things like that. You don't need to tip for meals. Service charges will be added to your bill, I think, depending on where you're going, so don't tip. The first Sunday of each month, a lot of the sites are free. So double check that if you can plan a trip around that, that would actually be really cool because then you don't have to pay for all the different sites. Some of the sites that are free, the Forum, the Coliseum, the Gallery, Borghese, the Palatine Hill, 
look into this to see if there's any other places that you could maybe take advantage of. This goes without saying, but you should book all your tickets online whenever you can because the nice thing about booking your tickets online is generally you get to skip the lines. So that saves a lot of time. Like I said, getyourguide.com is a pretty good website to book tickets online for things in Rome. The Gallery Borghese, if you're going to go there, I went there. It was pretty awesome. I did enjoy the art on the ceilings and some of the sculptures. Definitely recommend going there if you have the time. But when you do go there, they only have a certain amount of tickets per day, if I remember correctly. So either get your tickets ahead of time or go early in the morning. I actually was going to the the gallery at the end of the day and I got really lucky because there was only one ticket left that day and me being a solo traveler I then was able to go because if they didn't have any tickets left then I had other sites that I was going to see my other days I wouldn't have had the chance then to see the gallery Borghese so that's what was nice about being a solo traveler I guess just one of the many benefits but if you're with a group of people then obviously that wouldn't have worked out for you so Like I said, make sure to get tickets in advance or go early in the morning. And then as far as just English speakers, you will get by fine speaking English. You won't really have to worry. Everyone speaks English for the most part or will understand you. So don't worry about speaking Italian. The last thing I will mention just really quickly about the Vatican, because I wanted to say this, I think that is probably one of the richest displays of art in the entirety of Europe. That's not something I really expected going into the Vatican. I had no idea just how much art there is in the Vatican, whether it's paintings on the ceilings or pieces of art or sculptures, and then obviously you have Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. It's really just so breathtaking seeing all that art and how beautiful it is and how grand and just the amount of wealth and time that went into the Vatican. It's really a beautiful place. I think people that have a great appreciation for art, unless you knew this, you will be surprised about the Vatican. One of the things that I thought was funny was that on the tour, after you go through the entire Vatican, you have the opportunity to go through the modern art gallery they have. I think... Modern art in general is is generally just a huge joke. I have a really problem with it. And going through the Vatican and seeing the uh, just outstanding, elegant art that is in there that these artists were able to create during Michelangelo's time and times after that. And then seeing the Modern Art Museum, which was funny because the tour guide was talking about how the... Modern Art Museum came together when the Pope commissioned all of the world's greatest artists to meet and then come up with what was going to be put in the modern art gallery to kind of not outdo the rest of the Vatican, but to be at the same level, if that makes any sense. And the art in that gallery is awful. Just completely laughable, the difference I I just can't imagine that with what's available today, how art has just gotten so bad. That's another podcast in itself, honestly, but it it was so, 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 so bad. Definitely recommend skipping the Modern Art Museum in the Vatican. You don't need to see that at all. 
not worth it in my opinion. Just go to the Sistine Chapel and skip the Modern Art Museum. Man, that was pretty that was pretty brutal. I just I just blows my mind, man. It really makes me think about what would happen if some of these great thinkers of the past and great artists what would happen today if they had what we have at our disposal? Imagine if the Leonardo da Vinci's or the Michelangelo's, imagine if these people live today. Like I would just, I would love to see what they're capable of. And maybe, maybe they wouldn't do anything more than what people are doing today. Maybe what people are doing today is absolutely amazing. And I just don't have any sense of it. And I'm not even talking about art now. I'm just talking about technology and art and like technology, art, whatever it may be. I just, I'm really curious. Or like an Albert Einstein, a Thomas Edison, a, a Benjamin Franklin. I just wonder what these people would be doing today. Anyways, that's going to be it for this guide to Rome. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review if you can. That would be awesome. Still waiting on that first review. My Instagram is Conjay Hancock and my Gmail account is Hancock at gmail.com. If you have any questions about anything or need some advice, about Rome. I'd be happy to help. Thank you all for listening. Hope everyone has a wonderful week. I will see everyone next Monday.